as we recorded uh, this evening, um, or just before we were about to start recording this evening, uh, we found out the news that Graham Spring, who was the long-term stadium announcer at King's Home, someone that I think everybody who listens to this podcast and who probably has watched Gloucester in the last 40 years um, will be aware of, and someone who who I think we've got a great amount of fondness for. Um, uh, Graham Spring passed away uh, after a short illness. Um, as I said, he was the voice of King's Home for 40 years. Um, starting on the 2nd of September in 1978 when Gloucester played Broughton Park at King's Home. Um, and in that entirety of 40 years, he only missed nine games. Um, he ended uh, his tenure as the voice of King's Home at the end of the season of 2017-18. Um, an incredibly popular man, um, not only among the players and the staff, but among the supporters incredibly incredibly knowledgeable and just a nice bloke to talk to about rugby and about other things um someone who lived and breathed gloucester and someone who's going to be very much missed by all the supporters and the club um just want to send our best wishes to his his wife sylvia and all his family and friends um and uh We'll be paying tribute, uh, I'm sure, with um, some memories of uh, Graham uh, probably in the next couple of weeks. Uh, I know the club are going to do something for the Exeter game on Friday. Um, but just to say, Graham Spring, Springy, rest in peace. Welcome to episode 22 of this season's Cherry Jam. Uh, we've got the full complement again tonight. Russ Brooks, Lawrence Landre, or Loz, Jim Harley, uh, James Eastwood, or Snowy. Um, once again, uh, Gloucester were defeated at the weekend. Uh, we're going to come on to um, one of the issues that uh, I think, well, let's be honest, is the reason why we got absolutely thumped. Uh, conceding nine tries and uh, 59 points. And we'll come on to that in a bit. Uh, now, for full disclosure, I only saw parts of the game. Um, I mean, I'll be honest, they were the beginning and the end, so the, it was all pretty awful what I saw. But um, uh, So I, I'm not really in a position to talk about it too much. I have seen the highlights um, and I've seen the tries, etc. But uh, I'll let the other guys discuss it and uh, their talking points from the game. So guys, go ahead, take the floor and um, away you go. What frustrated me, and I think Ed, misunderstood this when I tweeted a uh, message in WhatsApp. My first thought in the game after five minutes was we were getting a warning for too many infringements after five minutes. And I think Ed thought I was being sarcastic and being annoyed with the ref. I wasn't. No, it's just that was like, real life. It doesn't matter what squad you've got out. If you're going to give away five penalties or whatever it was in the first five minutes and you're getting warned for a yellow card, that's kind of just sums up the season for me. And it carried on throughout the game, just 
goal penalties. Um, the first the first 20 minutes, you were gen- genuinely, genuinely worried that it w- was going to be a cricket score. I mean, it wasn't far off, was it? Let's be honest. But it felt like it was going to be a lot worse. Credit to the guys. From half time to about 60 minutes, they did brilliantly to pull it back to 24-24. Um, but you knew. But you yeah, knew I, I, I don't know if it at was that nec- point it was kind of like, oh my goodness, we could do this, and then you pinch yourself. No, 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 no. I, I we don't just know had if the rubber the green. Of, we had yeah. the rubber the green for a bit. We had the bounce of the ball. The players were playing well, and Queens were still in the dressing room. You knew I, as I soon as they woke up, they were going to yeah. start scoring again. It was yeah. a mixture of all of that. The killer was it. What did it for me though was we played brilliantly. Within our, with what you could of what we had for that period of time, and I think it was a bit like Lars says. Was it a bit of Quinns in the dressing room? Possibly. Was it us responding? Maybe. What annoyed me was it was one mistake and Quinns went the length of the field and scored. And then it was the nature of how we capitulated a bit. Then you kind of thought, do you know what, guys? There's still a there's a bonus point on the pitch here. Yeah, that that's, that's what take. annoyed me. And just have a go just just stay in the game and it just felt like we didn't now we'll come on to me i did think i do feel like there were some positives um seabrook i thought has looked very good the last few weeks and again Agreed. he's another player who i felt I, I i wasn't sure if he if i saw what others did but he has been really good morris showed some some good glimpses looks like he could be a good player chapman had a very good game some of the Older players who got some criticism, possibly rightly, but I've, I've got a point I'll save for our discussion later on that. And I thought, you know, we played like a side that we were, you know, a mixture of players who haven't played for a while and young lads. And it just, we got what we deserved probably, but there was some good moments in there. Yeah, I just think there was... A, a... A lot of other teams in our league would have got that that bonus point for the fourth try at the end. I think, especially given the score, I think you know, Quinns had had the bonus point twice over. Would they have really defended like their lives depended on it? Maybe not. I, I think Quinns are quite um, they're quite a, a, a good team in that they will stick it out. But actually, that final final half a percent, will they really step up? I think we could have scored that fourth try a lot more easily than maybe the guys thought. And, and it would have been nice if they'd have really thrown the kitchen sink at it and tried to get it. I agree, Jim. And I think the other thing to factor into that is it's not like Quinn's got anything from nilling us. We're not close enough to be like they were going to fight to ensure we didn't get anything from that game. Do you know what I mean? We're not in a mm. position where we're going to stop them taking a, their place in the league are they it's more important um, to them to not get injured or get I, a red card for you know a silly face on face tackle on the line the, oh. the way the game was broken up at the end it was harder to not score the fourth try to score it i think i, I know i know we went yeah. down to 14 which made it a bit harder but well, the, the the failure to get the bonus point was the thing that that really arced narked me out of everything i know there was you could what it's going to be said, oh, we started with a load of youngsters and then we bought even more on. Yeah, that may be so, but ultimately, there was a what well, they still couldn't score a try that was there to be 
therefore for the taking. Much in the same way as last week against Leicester, where um, Leicester didn't want to lose it and we didn't want to win it even more. Uh, sorry, Leicester didn't want to win it and we didn't want to win it even more. Um, one positive I will say, we look like we've got a really, really good goal kicker in George Barton. He, he, he's got a cracking action and he just really doesn't look like missing at the moment. So we know what's going to happen against Exeter. Sorry. But yeah, it, it, it's, that is very encouraging as long as he's in the team that we you know we got a reliable goal kicker now. Yeah, I think, look at, uh, sorry, just to interrupt, interject quickly. Um, you mentioned they're not getting the bonus point. Of course, Worcester did get the bonus point. I mean, I know it doesn't really matter because there's no relegation, yeah. but my point is, you know, Worcester, yeah. who were getting absolutely tanked at Bath, uh, did secure a losing uh, a yeah. try bonus. Yeah, but they also say, you look at the results from the weekend, and almost every team, almost all twelve teams, got a bonus point. You know, be it tries or losing, it's just like that. I saw a graphic, and it was BP, 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 BP everywhere. Obviously, not one next to Gloucester, and and I just think that's probably where where we're at now. The weather was pretty good at the weekend. The pitches are starting to harden up, so we're getting more tries certainly out you know from the from the wingers and such and just because of six nations calls up and the rest of it we've got maybe those those quicker youngsters coming in wanting to make a name for himself so it is a little bit more exciting and high scoring do any of the youngsters stand out can i i mean again i said i didn't see a lot of it so i, I want to kind of open it out to you uh seabrook got- was mentioned i thought seabrook um again was uh was very good and i think He's he's kind of looking like he might be a really good option at um, a bit of a crash ball as well, kind of maybe in the centres. So, yeah, I thought he, like I said, I, I think I had concerns when we were picking him at centre. I didn't, I've not seen him play there, but he, he looks like he could be a good centre. I mean, the one break he made was was genuinely class. He just ghosted his way through. He waited. He was patient, and he he, he worked a gap and he took it brilliantly. And you know he looks like he's he's got the ability to step up and and be part of that squad long term potentially. I thought both wingers. I thought um, Morris looked quite good as well. He didn't have as much um, time on the ball, but he looks. All the other wingers are kind of run out. Even Fawley, it's probably their pace that is their main weapon. Fawley's got a bit of physicality. Morris feels like he's got a lot more physicality than and it is a good option potentially. Um, Chapman probably had one of the better games I've seen him have at nine. Um, I don't know <laughs> the rest of I them. Cla- I don't Clement know. Did. Clement, 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 Clement did okay. Yeah, Clement. Clement, did Clement okay. was good. I think the rest it was hard to tell because the first 10, 15 minutes, I guess the thing they learned more than anything was how well to jog from under the post to the kickoff restart position. And, <laughs> you know, that was the problem. It was you. I, I, <laughs> Again, we'll come on to it. You you found it hard to switch on and be really engaged in that game when you're leaking try as a fan when they're leaking so many tries because your brain just. I know we're trying to be positive. I get that, but your brain does go to that. Here we go again moment. The, the thing is, I kind of think that uh, I think I said before in the previous podcast. Like now that the season is done, there's nothing for us to play for whatsoever. No threat of relegation. Considering the situation we're in, it does make sense to just prepare for the future and not worry about results. Yeah. And and especially when you haven't even got fans to please on a Saturday, you haven't even got people that have paid to turn up. Well, you've, you've got fans to but, please on a Saturday, just not 
you know, within yeah, but it's slightly, yeah, slightly different in a slightly different way. Um, but my my issue is if you're quite uh, if if you're quite um, quite mature in the way you're playing and you you've got a lot of structure and you're blooding lots of new players in that situation, that makes a lot of sense. But we're not like we should just be focusing on getting the best fifteen we can to play some semblance of okay rugby. Sure, I, I mean he, this is the this is the point. So. I think the problem with the problem with this game was is because it was such a blowout, it's difficult to pick out players who performed well or above where you're expecting. Um, and, and I appreciate the fact that you know you guys, as I said, I wouldn't watch it. You guys watched it, and and uh, I mean my fa- my favourite thing was I was well, I, say I was coming back uh, coming back from um, from dropping uh, my wife off to get her vaccine. And I was about halfway home uh, with her in the car, and uh, my I was connected. The phone was connected to the to the car, and the WhatsApp messaging was going mental. And I think the only one that did make me laugh was Ed. Get to a TV quick. We're somehow level. And by the time that was near, that was about five minutes, ten minutes from home. And by the time I got home, we were two scores down again. So, like, from my point of view, I was like, oh, you, obviously. You had a very, very small window of opportunity. That's the first message I saw when I got home as well. The same <laughs> thing. It was, it was, 14 I think, points down. So, I was <laughs> the one who sent that message. And I think it was because it was so bizarre. I think it was me and Jim were the main ones texted. And Loz, and you could see the three of us, it had gone quiet. The group was eerily quiet because I think we were all like, what like you said Eddie so what can we say what positives can we say how can you talk about this and I think what annoyed me was I don't quite know how we pulled it back we played well but I couldn't put my finger on what it did what then pissed me off was how quickly we were like nah that's not <laughs> well, 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 I think you got a little bit ahead of yourself I yeah I probably got <laughs> you know I probably I, I can swing from being the most miserable fucker in the world to the it's the hope that kills you quite quickly but in all seriousness what did annoy me was was like we said it was one mistake Quinn's down the pitch try yeah. kick off try and that's where you have you needed someone to grab the boys you know and sort of get into them look don't matter what the score is we've got ourselves in this game next 10 minutes don't do anything stupid just just right, play yeah. play sensible and keep yourself in the game and that so I think that's what that's point. what bristol did wasn't it yesterday yeah. on, you know this yeah. in the sunday fixture and i watched that game against northampton and i thought bristol were kind of a little bit unlucky to not be winning, and then you know they kind of found found themselves. Oh goodness, it's ten minutes to go, and we're a try down. And so what do they do? They just gel as a team, absolutely grind it out, smash out two tries, winning bonus point. It's job done. It's where and it was, it's like, where it was just they sorry, got Jim. together. They just got together yeah. and sort of just decided. Right now we now we go. It's where experience comes in, isn't it? And there were enough old heads in that te- experienced players in that team to go. You, you know, if you're in a game with ten minutes to go, anything can happen. I mean, admittedly, the thing that probably will happen if you're Gloucester is you fuck it up. But you're in yeah. with a chance of winning, and you've just got to ride it out. And it's like you said, Jim, a good side 
can be playing badly and be a school down with 10 minutes to go and they'll still back themselves and this is what annoys me about the way we're playing at the moment is you and it's kind of like snowy said you we're in a situation where we've got to build ourselves to have a good structure and understand what the game plan is and believe in it and that's the problem with throwing out a side like that yeah, yeah. it's a waste of a game isn't it basically yeah, well this is this is what i want to come on to now because um Right. Okay. So I have a fairly strong opinion about this because yes, first of all, let's, let's, let's caveat this. There were a lot of players unavailable. I think we've got, I think it was 19 players unavailable um, who, for the game. Some yeah, were injured. Was it, six, was it six, seven internationals? Yeah. So I'll go through it quickly. Mark Atkinson, uh, Alex Craig, Lloyd Evans, Jamie Gibson, Chris Harris, Georgie Kvezadladze, you know, that's that as good as you're going to get, Johnny May, Kyle Moyle, Seb Nagel-Taylor, Louis Rees-Zamet, Jake Pelledry, Jack Singleton, Joe Simpson, Jack Stanley, Ollie Thorley, Santiago Cicino, Stephen Varney, Jason Woodward. Okay, fine. They're, they're the unavailable players. Now, some teams, there's other teams have got unavailable players and, and, and injuries and, and call-ups and all the rest of it. We're not alone in that. What frustrates me is you then look at our bench and you think, okay, just, just as, a, as an aside, you look at our bench, you had Todd Gleave, Alex Seville, Jamal Ford-Robinson, Freddie Thomas, Joe Howard, Matty Jones, Isaac Marsh, and Alex Morgan. Right. Um, I am not going to discount any of those lads who are on that bench but you think about the players that aren't injured, aren't being called up for international duty, but were available. At second row, we had we could have had uh, Slater, we could have had Alamano. Um, Freddie Clark was playing, was already playing with Ben Morgan. You then got Geordie Reed was available. You have uh, Ackerman was uh-huh. available. Scrum off, you had Hines was available. Um, uh, Hooker. Uh, Walker was available. Again, I'm not saying that you all of those players had to play at all. That you know you should be able to trust these lads. You know you've got to give them the opportunity. You've got to trust them. That's fine. However, you've got a bench there where basically Jamal Ford Robinson might as well be babysitting. Um, and the other part of this I find frustrating is. To a point, it doesn't really matter what you go out with in terms of the team. You could have a load of academy players. You could have a load of old heads. You could have the best 15 available. You could have left people out. But at no point when I saw that team did I think the coaches were taking this seriously. And as a supporter, we've got to, you know, you're looking at it and you're thinking, well, as Snowy said, it's a wasted game. You're straight away thinking, well, I don't, well, as, as a supporter, I don't think they're taking this seriously. Yeah. So as a coach, so that's but what when you say this, Ed, when you say this, you're talking about the individual fixture as opposed to yeah. the league structure. Now, well, yeah, no, is, I agree with that. So it is not a sprint. Yeah, I agree. So it's, it's one game. Totally appreciate that. And, and then there is nothing to play for in terms of this season. We're not going to get relegated. We're not realistically going to get much higher than probably 10th or 9th, even if we win all our, the rest of our games. But, what I do find kind of worrying is that you're in a position where you're you're happy just to throw away a league game. Yeah, I think I think there's there's a lot of value in blooding young players, but 
there's an appropriate place to blood young players, which is where you only make one or two changes. Yes. And they yeah. get the experience of playing in a first team atmosphere and a first team way of playing. And if you make too many changes, they might as well be playing in the A team on a Monday night. Well, that's what yeah, it is. It's an A team game. Let's be honest, yeah. that, that, that is well, a, we, that we, is we, a we made United. those changes. Yeah, we made those changes earlier in the season against Lyon, but our asses kicked and, there and as well. It's exactly well, the same principle. We got our every game we played. Yeah, but <laughs> this is that. the point. It's it's a United. That is a United. Like, if if Loz and I had gone to that on a United fixture, we'd be, we'd be thinking actually that's an alright side for a United fixture. A couple of older players. Nice to see some young lads coming through. Some fringe players. And then we but go, that is fucking a... hell, Quinns are taking the piss. Look at their 15. Bloody hell. <laughs> yeah, well, they they, that but that, that's the problem, isn't it? You're blooding players in a situation where you can't control where the opposition, what they're putting out. And Snowy makes a good point about the rotation and bringing them in gradually. If you look at some of our better, younger players, someone like James Simpson Daniel, how well was he managed and brought into that side? He always had experienced players around him and he's managed well. Ollie Forley. So, Ollie Ollie Forley. For, the way Ollie Forley was introduced was excellent. Because... Zamir is another. And I think you can argue Pledry as well, because how often were we screaming, you need to start Pledry, you need to play him every week? And it was managed quite well, and he probably benefited from that. The other annoyance for me is this is game management. It's all well and good to say, well, it's internationals, you're going to lose people. You get injuries throughout a season. You get in the international period is not a secret, is it? We all knew this was coming. And it's the, the worst news is, and you made this point a few weeks ago, Snow, it's going to be worse next season. So you have to cater for it. You have to accept it as part of rugby. You will lose a big chunk of your squad. We've got a really poor balance, I think, of international players that aren't necessarily the top international players, but where you lose a huge chunk of your team at international time. And and but it's also if we're going to go on about the point of how you back up those young lads, who you put alongside them to develop. Mm. Charlie Sharples and Matt Banahan have hardly played all season. Ben Morgan's played ten minutes, and you're saying you lads. You, you're rusty and it showed to be fair and that's where you bring the youngsters in don't play Banahan and Sharples that, well, if you're going to play that's, Banahan, that's the prime example if you're going to play Banahan stick him on the wing and play yeah. a young centre in the centre don't play your experienced players out of position so that they're struggling with something else and then I was thinking about the other thing that annoys me we let Tom Hudson who's a fullback go out on loan when we knew we were struggling for players so you know I don't have a problem with the players. The young lads would die for that opportunity. If you, you know, you can see it. Some of them are local uh, lads. They've wanted all, that opportunity. All over social media, wasn't it? All over social media this week. Barton's how a proud, great story. How proud we are that this lad is playing. Uh, you know, local clubs, rightly so, really, really chuffed. So not only are they getting their first start for Gloucester, they're getting their first start in a premiership fixture. Yeah, 15, 15 of the 23 were uh, academy players which is brilliant. I mean, it's brilliant i think i think yeah um 22 of the oh, 20... it's brilliant as long as they're ready for that standard yeah, that's it's it. fantastic <laughs> 22 of the 23 i think are english qualified um I, i'm not sure about chapman and rapava ruskin whether they are officially uh english qualified rapava ruskin's been called up for tra- england training yeah, yeah it's, it's a bit confusing i right? think but... chapman's a scot chapman's scottish isn't scottish that's the yeah. point isn't it is if you don't look after these players it's great giving them that opportunity but 
you're exposing them. And I don't know, I mean, local rugby, we've all played in a drubbing. I don't know what, and then your coach will go, don't we boys, we'll learn from this. What exactly, what exactly am I going to learn from chasing <laughs> shadows? And you know, uh, it's I, well, you, you do know, you, you learn the seven times table. Yeah. Um. <laughs> this, is, this is the issue though with like I, I was chatting to a neighbour today and uh, he was saying like in football if you're not quite good enough to play Premier League you get you know you either sit on the bench and never play but you earn or an you, absolute fortune or you drop down don't you you go Championship you League down, 1 League you, 2 can, yeah. exactly and you can still be playing a pretty damn good standard of football I mean not that I'm a football fan but you know League 2 Whereas actually with rugby, and I was going to say even more so with women's rugby, you know, it's a huge drop down. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not talking about the top few teams in the championship, but I'm talking about the teams at the middle and the bottom of the championship. That is a very, very different structure set up, um, amount of money being spent, and they just don't have the same sort of quality. Because actually, a player that's that good will be signed by a premiership club and be part of a premiership squad because they can afford to have someone that's not going to play rather than ended up being a first, um, you know, a first choice starter for a team at the bottom of the championship. Mm. Um, we'll, 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 what we'll do now is because um, there is a danger with this, that it becomes quite ranty and, and negative just for the sake of being negative. So we're going to move on to some not more on this things. podcast. <laughs> no, no, we, we don't rant. We don't rant overly negative. Um, I'm we are just going to trying talk... to think of something positive to say. Hang on, give me 10 right, minutes. I've got one and it's, we're going to come on to it. And it's going to be a bit about the Six Nations and the fact we've probably got one of the best players in the world at the moment. Okay, we're going to try and avoid the negativity now. And I have to be honest with everybody. I, I, uh, I'm getting a load of stick for suggesting that Louis Rees-Summit is one of the better players in the world at the moment. Uh, and they're quite rightly, everyone's gone DuPont. <laughs> like, and uh, yeah, anyway. Um, actually, genuinely though, um, Lawrence, uh, you said something, I think right at the beginning of the Six Nations, might have even been uh, the Autumn Internationals last year, about how unbelievably adept and uh, naturally gifted Louis Rees-Sam is and how he was instantly suited to the international game. Um, which I'm going to use a phrase to the manner born. To the manner born, yeah. I mean, I think there are very few players when it comes to Gloucester rugby there. The first time you see them, you go, holy Christ almighty, where has he come from? And Louis Rissamit is definitely one of those players where every time I see him play rugby, he just looks better and better and better. Um, yeah, well, but the unfortunate thing is he comes from Wales. I know, yeah. Well, we'll come on to that in a second. But for the moment, Loz, I'll let you go first. As you said, you know, he's the to the man I born. You know, do you think... Do you think we're going to actually ever get to see the best of him, or do you just are we just resigned to the fact that he's just going to build off to Wales in two years' time? Well, 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 Jesus. The, the trouble is, is it's going to end up showing like a rap with our bloody game plan. That uh, I don't think we will see the best of him because of the way we want to play the game, unfortunately. Um, I, 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 I can't comment on the gut. This is the thing we've we've touched on this before as well. The whole contract situation. A, are Wales going to be still biding by that regulation down that uh, in that 
time. Okay, now they come, they got close to a grand slam. Things are looking a bit more cheery for them than they did in the autumn. So yeah, they might do. But it's only going to take a few more losses and the four or six. They were lucky this Six Nations they had with the red cards that they had, which got they wouldn't have won those games without the red cards, I don't think. Yeah. And you, you you think that if they were to lose a few more games, they might not abide with the ruling that they brought in because they just want to pick their best players regardless. The other thing is until we start playing like you, you know, playing a game plan that 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 that's brings out the strengths of our two world-class wingers, we would want to stay. I mean, I mean, let's sort of move away from the Gloucester aspect then briefly um, and just talk about him as a player. I mean, as I said, he, he kind of burst onto the scene uh, a year and a half ago, I suppose, um, maybe a bit longer. But I mean, the tries that he's scoring and some of the stuff he's doing, there aren't many players in his position in world rugby at the moment. I think he's quite complete as a winger, isn't he? Because he's hmm. not just, uh, you, you remember the Welsh had that, was it Nigel Walker, the 110 metre hurdler? He was yes. Absolutely yes. like lightning when running the ball, but he couldn't catch it or tackle or do it or kick it or do anything else. That's so if he actually to, caught the ball, then he was, Whereas Reece, yeah, but Reece Summit seems to be able to do it. You know, we, he, we have the, he, he didn't look out of place at fullback when we played him at fullback. He, he's got a good um, boot, hasn't he? It wasn't like when he's we first got a played... decent boot as well. Yeah, you I mean, know, it wasn't like when we played me, Johnny the... Maydale and his pace got Johnny out of trouble at fullback. Louis... His ability to it... offload as well. You know, he's, think... he's, he seems to have a natural awareness of where he's support I appreciate they will have been caught. There would have been a call to where he was, but that that flip back inside against um, Connacht last season. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's one of his first games as well, wasn't it, in the Heineken Cup? And he is probably the reason why people always say you've got to give youngsters a chance, and if they're good enough, they're young enough. And but we've got to remember. Other way around, mate. What a level of talent he is. He is good yeah, enough. Ready. They're old enough. They're old enough, yeah. Sorry, yeah. And it's not like my bassin then, mate. Yeah, that's all right. I probably am, aren't I? But, and the other thing is, it's like lots of defensively, he is, he's, he's just very good defensively, isn't he? I can, you he's know, a unit, he's actually genuine big guy he's, as well. He's what, he's six foot three a bit, I think. And he's, and he's, he, he, I mean, he was doing crash ball against um, France on so- Saturday. And he was sliding through. And he was playing in a really good... Um, I thought he was getting involved a huge amount. He yeah. Well, both wings were, to be fair to him. And, and they were, they were it, was, sadly, it was really good the way they brought him in because it was kind of... It was probably not what France expected, expected yeah. him to... You know, they, they would have expected his game to be oh he's really really quick watch out for him he'll be trying to get a little bit of a, a gap on the outside and then you know he'll, he'll do you for pace whereas actually he was playing quite the opposite he was playing more of a crash ball inside um, a sort of outside center sort of role trying to well he's getting get i mean get, the, the pace alone gets him over the game line and and, and that's what i think i just the, the try he scored in um the game against was it scotland where he was a chip and chase yeah, I mean yeah. that was just. I mean, that, that's I think just he, pace, isn't it? He's one of those wingers that is. He, his key asset is pure pace, and that does start to drop off a bit as you mature. But what, yeah. I think what's so good about Louis Vissamit is that he's got a very mature head. Yeah, for Already. someone at that stage and of their. Yeah, he's not even. He's not even. He's not even that. Um, you know, sort of 
young wingers at international level are a lot older than him. Yeah. I think it's his confidence as well. He bursts on the scene and he just scores all the time. It's just natural, isn't it? Let's be really clear, though. If he was English, he wouldn't have had a cap yet for England. No. And he'd be playing. Well, he'd be with. He'd be playing with Marcus Smith in that game at the weekend. Yeah. You know, because Marcus Smith is a similar sort of player. I think where he's just got that natural ability. He just look. You know, going back to that Quinns game, it's like Smith to me. You know, I. There are lots of people praising Quinn's play, and it was difficult to judge. But Smith, every time I see him against us, he just looks like the and game's Don easy. Brand. He's just he. I don't, yeah, Don yeah. Brandt was ridiculous, wasn't he? And it's just. Snowy makes a good point. It annoys me when you see Wales giving Zamit that chance and you see us not giving players who could have the same well, sort of opportunity. He got the chance. He got lucky. He got lucky as well, didn't he? Because he Yeah, right it, place, because, right time. Yeah, because if it was this season, I don't forget he, he wouldn't have seen the ball all season. No, but I think I think with uh, <laughs> with, um, with Wales and Zamit that I think the Welsh, you know, rugby union, WRU, were probably a little bit he says he wants to play for Wales. He's, you know, he's coming coming across saying, oh, no, no, I'd love to play for Wales. That's my goal, all the rest of it. But the longer you play professional rugby, the more of a professional you become. And if Wales aren't picking you, and then you still perform, 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 and the opportunity of playing for another team, i.e. England, rears its head, then all of a sudden... You've got a decision to make. Do I want to be this or do I want to be that? He wouldn't have got picked. Yeah, I've, no, never, I'm said. thinking it's never that way around, years, is it? It's if the in, other if way in three years' time, and he didn't have a Welsh cap, and he still wouldn't get picked by England. Jack Noel would be fit by you. Be, to be honest, back. you look. Banham would be on the wing. But yeah, <laughs> you look at you compare him to May and Watson. May and Watson both are class finishers. Most of the time, they score tries because the ball's gone out to the wing in spite of the game plan, really. You know, someone like Zamet would be wasted on the England wing at the moment. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I, th- I think England do an all right job of including their wingers. And actually, I think they've built quite a lot of their play around Johnny May, haven't they, in the last couple of years? But it doesn't involve getting the ball similar. in his hand, though, does it? It I tends to be Johnny's a similar. Johnny. Yeah. Johnny's a similar player in that he's... I think Johnny is a smarter rugby player than some people give him credit in terms of he's worked to change his game to play how England want him to do. And probably no one has, you know, as Gloucester fans, we all raved about Johnny and how he should be in the England team sooner. And the criticism he used to get is, is so amusing to see how everyone universally loves him now. He used to well, be I, one of the most hated players in that England team. I and still see people who have just stuck by their guns and can't stand Johnny May. Even yeah, all he like could do is run fast in, in a straight line. Not, that's <laughs> yeah. a bad thing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, should we? I mean, should we just come on and sort of review the Six Nations generally? Though, I mean, I think Loz has already made the point that let's be honest, Wales were. I suppose it, they were lucky in the fact that they had some decisions go their way and those red cards and stuff. But at the same time, let's be fair, they still had to win those games. So fair yeah. enough. They were, what, a minute away from beating France? And then... Um, and then they, just, they just came unstuck against the best team in the championship. Yeah, basically. Unfortunately, the best team in the championship were France. And France, being French, did the French thing and didn't win all their games. Yeah, Um <laughs> Uh, I mean, well, Ireland. Let's be fair. With England, with the squad they got, England turned up. 
I'm not being funny. If England turned yeah, up and yeah. played to the best of their abilities in a decent game plan every week, they do it. They win the Grand Slam. Yeah, and, and that England French team, they, that that French team play amazing rugby for 45, 50 minutes of the game and fall asleep for the other half hour. And they do it in every game. Yeah, that's true. I agree with that, Joey. Um, the difference is, of course, against the Welsh. The Welsh just imploded in the last ten minutes, didn't they? Really, let's be honest. It's, it's, I, I take all your points, Ed, and they would be valid if it was any other team other than Wales. To be honest, and it's quite. <laughs> I, I do find it like the irony of seeing them moaning about decisions going against them. Uh, as an English fan, I, I feel really sorry for them. I mean, well, yeah, let, it's let, awful. Let's, for that let's just quickly review. There. Let's just quickly review the other teams. So we, we've kind of touched on France. Uh, I think we, they've got the game this Friday against Scotland. Cheers. Thanks again for the brilliant um, scheduling there, boys. Um, yeah, that, that makes no sense at all. Cause no, it doesn't. Three games but... on. The, you had the Scotland game was on the TV. You had the Gloucester match on the TV. You had the Gloucester Hartbury ladies game on uh, YouTube. All three at the same time. But next weekend, oh no, we'll change the fixtures around so we don't have a clash. What's that all about? Apart from, apart from it does clash. Yeah. Gloucester yeah. Exeter's Friday, Friday night, as is the France-Scotland. Uh, yeah, uh, that's game. where they've moved. So they moved to half past five. Yeah. Also, are we getting a little payout? Half past five that? on a date. On a, on, people go to work. Yeah, I know. Sorry, mate. Sorry. Are, we getting a pay, are we getting a little payout for that? Well, because we <laughs> have to release, because we've had yeah. to release our but, players. Because... I would assume so. There will probably be some sort of compensation. Yeah, because they said, so. didn't they, um, in in the international commentary that they just the, the last minute come to a decision that the an agreement. Yeah, the, the, the just, Scotland that normally means us. money, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, there's, there's no truth. There's no released. truth to the rumor that Lance Brandy was offering other players from the Gosser squad to Scotland if they get more money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, it's it's. They keep saying, oh, well, these unprecedented times. But actually, they've tried to have games outside international windows in the past. And, you know, the Premier Rugby have just gone, no. no. So, yeah. I mean, it's Premier Rugby don't help themselves, do they? Like, I, I know there's a deal, and I've said this before, they're all on the red button. Why play all the games at the same bloody time? You've got a Sunday, you've got a Friday. You just move the fixtures around. It's not like you're going to inconvenience yeah. fans who go watch it. Maybe we could try and expose the game to a wider audience. We could at least put some effort in to actually pretend we might try and grow the game. I would more than happily watch every single match live. To be honest, Jim, I would watch any team other than Gloucester to remind myself that rugby can be quite good to watch sometimes. It's not so infuriating. Um I mean, right, and so let's, let's again, as I, my third attempt to try and get around the entire countries of the Six Nations. Um, so, we'll, Scotland. We'll, Scotland. So, Scotland, interestingly, could they, could end up this, could end this um, uh, Six Nations with, despite having the amazing, incredible victory up against uh, England at Swickenham and all the rest of it, uh, end up only ever being England England, Italy. You know, well done. Um uh, they have, I think they've improved a lot. They seem to be a bit more cohesive, but at the end of the day, though, they're only they're maybe a, well, they're only three oh, or four, no, they're only three or four injuries away. The problem is Scotland is the depth, they have no squad no depth. depth, no. And if they have three or four injuries, particularly key injuries, if they lose Hog, for example, they're buggered. If they lose one or two players in the in their pack, they're buggered. Um, and and that's the problem, they haven't just they just have no depth. Um, yeah, it's like when Gloucester got into the playoffs because we didn't have any. And yeah. every other season we finished ninth because yeah. we did. Um, yeah, I, think they, I think they're a good side, then. I think they perform above the sum of their parts. 
Um, yes, I, I think agree. The, the Wales game they should they should have won really. Yeah, they should. The Ireland really. game was a bit bit of a damp squib, wasn't it? Mm. Like, I guess maybe even by that point there wasn't a lot to play for. But I think the the, the Ireland are a weird one because again they they started you know they they lost the first two, um, and then you know beat Scotland, beat Italy, beat England, or that way round the way round, but. They weren't that far away against Wales. They probably would have won if Omani hadn't been sent off. They, they, they were, they weren't that far away against France. Um, but I don't know. They just don't. They're not. You know, when you think back to the old Ireland teams um, from three, four years ago, um, they were a far more exciting team to watch, and I find them quite dull. They are, but then they're quite. You know. I, do, I mean, don't get me wrong. It, it's it's the, 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 more often than not they'll win. They'll they'll they play some nice rugby at times. I just find them a bit. Yeah, but their yeah, playma- yeah. their playmakers are in the toilet of their career, aren't they? Sexton yeah. Mark three hundred three hundred forty eight. Yeah. Conor Murray's yeah. like two hundred seventy. <laughs> the the whole thing. Now we're talking about Sexton and Ireland. How many times did commentary mention his silver hair? <laughs> like, honestly, that's we, we. It's a bit weird. You're suggesting that the BBC or, or, or ITV are uh, ageist? Well, it's just, it's in this sort of snowflake generation that we're living in, where you've got to be a bit careful about what you say, especially when you're, you know, Brian Moore commentary. This is getting cut, isn't it? This is getting cut. Here we go. Yeah, I, 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 I thought that as soon as Jim said snowflake generation. <laughs> That's right. He hasn't said anything bad yet. I'm going to give no, him yet. In, in, all, in all seriousness, you can't be you, you can't be referring to oh my goodness look at this you know, the amount of silver hair he's got now I just it just seems a little bit off to me well, to particularly be, is it sexy this, this, yeah well there's there's some players that could be in their early twenties and have a full head of silver hair and there's other players that could be in their forties and have none and it's kind of irrelevant. But are or, they just trying to? Or you could say the news I'm glad that people were tuned. So people are tuning in to hear our insight on the um, tournament. So far, we've got don't say Johnny Sexton has silver hair. You know, this well, is why we're getting the endorsements we're getting, isn't it? I think for me, it's been a fairly average tournament. That Wales France game aside, I don't think. There's I don't. Know, I think the England France oh, game England, last week. Just, yeah, yeah, France okay. is a good all right. Game. Yeah, we don't like. On the any, whole, any though, game involving Italy think, has been a disappointment. But uh, well, overall, it, it, yeah. just, it just yeah. feels like there's not a lot. Italy aside, there's not a lot separating teams in right, some France, ways. France are the best side in the tournament. Yeah, so France are the best side, and I agree. You know, I hope they win it. Um, but I don't. I think in terms of England, Wales, Scotland, Ireland, I don't think there's a lot between them. Really, and it can come, it sort of boils down to some of the like losses. I don't think England's game plan doesn't help them. We, we haven't had this happen for a while, have we? Like, um, lots of teams all beating each other. That has, no. it used to happen. Apparently, it's the lot, worst, but... it's the worst um performance by England um since 1976. I think they were yeah, saying 47 years or so. Yeah, yeah, Martin Johnson, I'm saying our, our, right. yeah, it's saying, yes. That's a good effort. But what I find weird is the approach. Like, I think Eddie Jones's comment about, well, it's it was inevitable after the Lions that there will be some changes to be made. It just felt weird. Well, no, you, surely we'd have made them a few years ago after you the make World them Cup. after the World Cup. Yeah, yeah that's such a bizarre... he's, got, 
Oh, I no, sure no, no, I sorry, Lars, I wasn't trying to trigger you. I wasn't, but it annoys <laughs> me as well because it's kind of like, like you said, that's the perfect time to do it. And it's a classic Eddie of I'm just throwing the players under the bus here. So, it's, it's not, a, it's not, a, it's not a two year cycle, it's a four year cycle. Yeah, between World just a little thing about Eddie, Eddie Jones. Job as is well not now. to get the Lions to win tours, is yeah. it? Yeah, no, I mean, just, just a little thing about Eddie Jones, just as an aside. Uh, are we, I mean, I. I I said after the Scotland game, I thought it was disgraceful. I thought the performance was awful. The selection has been dreadful. I mean, the selection has been poor, really, for probably the last 12 months, uh, in that he's not, well, we mentioned it last week, he's not getting players the opportunity and the chance to play. You know, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that against Wales or France, you throw in people without any caps, but then he does that. Um, what I am saying is that against Italy or against Georgia, you play your fringe players, you give them a taste of international rugby among some of the more uh, senior players and let them get on with it. And then you basically say to the players you've dropped, right, you've got to get back in through training and the rest of it. But he doesn't do that. He's it's got the Gloucester argument, isn't it? It's exactly what we were saying about the, that with Gloucester. You manage those players in so yeah. that when the four-year cycle comes around and you replace those players you're not replacing them with people who only have zero or five caps they've but got it's a bit exactly the same as it's exactly the same as your comment you made the other week russ when it, about, i can't remember whether it was on the pod or whether it was in the chat about Stuart lancaster when he was turning around and saying about Henry yeah. Slade, he couldn't bring him on because he didn't have enough caps well yeah, whose yeah, fault you, was that you've it's been, exactly yeah, you've the, been the coach with, for the last four years uh, yeah with, yeah yeah. Exactly. Now, Ed, Eddie's been a, he's been coached for long enough, and the game has gone back. He turned around when he signed his contract. Typical old Eddie, old blase, saying that we're going to play a game. I'm going to get England playing a blank brand of rugby that's never been seen before. Well, it hasn't happened yet because we've seen boring shit, and that's kind of what he's doing at the moment. Um, uh, it is awful for me. Yeah. People yeah. say, "Well, who do?" You, it is terrible. It, and then he come out with some statistic that the team that kicks the ball the most. <laughs> well, the, well, yeah. So as soon as as soon as anyone says that, because the other person I know said that his name was Laurie Fisher, and he didn't last sure. much longer. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. Well, let's hope that Eddie goes as well. As soon as you start saying the team that kicks the ball the most wins the most games, as far as I'm rules, concerned, you yeah, you you're in a different bloody sport, mate. Yeah. Because the way rugby works is you catch and pass. That's how you win king rugby games. <sighs> it's um, they they they're looking at it's like cause and effect the wrong way around, isn't it? It's like it's, they're, they're not winning those games because they're choosing to kick the ball away every time they get it. No. It's, it's like when we look, it, it's like yeah. when people go on about, and it is a good start for him, but how great it is that Lewis Ludlow's the top tackler in the Premiership. There's one stat that matters, really, isn't it? It's a score at the end of the fucking game. And it's like you can pick and you can argue all the stats in the world you want. If England were winning, we wouldn't be having this conversation, would we? But I think, to be fair, though, Russ, England are winning in but the we autumn. But we were. England were winning in the autumn. And I think the one thing I would say is we are consistent in our criticisms um, because I think we've all watched the game long enough to realise what's good rugby and what's bad rugby. Yes, results matter, of course. But when you can see in the autumn, we're playing a really dull, quite... Flat. It's... it's Flat, difficult. It's a yeah, difficult yeah. style of rugby. We, to we watch. all knew. We all I, knew. I, I know. I'm being, know I'm it's coming around the corner. I'm being slightly glib. I mean, it, it was. I was being slightly glib because it's one of those comments that someone. What Eddie does is a lot of bullshit baffles brains, doesn't he? It was like his. Uh, you know, he'll he'll make a comment that distracts you from 
what is really the problem. So something like that gets you thinking that that's just ridiculous. Um, as, as, Ed, as Ed says, he's missed his opportunity to make key changes early on. And there's yeah. players now. So he's, he started against Ireland. He started with Daly at fullback. And we're like, D- Daly's had his time as an international player. Yeah, it, he's it, been pretty it, poor for the last two years now. Can't, can't get me. Ben Young's end of his career. Okay, he makes the odd occasional break, but for the rest of the game, he's dreadful. <laughs> well, no, I wouldn't say he's dreadful. Um, he he's not just, great, Jim. <laughs> he, is just, he is just slow. He's, he's, a, solid, he's got, a solid player. So there's a, he's got, what, 109 any, caps now? That's 100 too fucking many. <laughs> so the but there's also um, an but, argument. But, but, worse than that, worse than that. So uh, what the strength of, of this England team under Eddie Jones, you would have said over the last few years, is second row and back row, where they've had so much talent to move in and out of the team yeah. that it looked like we had a, a world-class back five of the pack. Against Ireland, you've got so Otoji aside, because Otoji is still world-class, even though he's getting pinged quite a lot at the minute. Charlie Ewells, Mark Wilson, Tom Curry, and Billy Vudapolo on current form. That's not a great. Curry, I would keep in there. But the other two, like we were saying, when you look at what Don Brandt did against us... He's and just has been an, doing all season. And he's yep. another level, isn't he? And Smith. Now, let's take let's use the gloss analogy again. So there is an opportunity, like Ed said, if you want to blurt a Marcus Smith or Simmons, whoever is your favourite player that you're going to champion, why would you not do it with a nine with 109 caps against Italy? So you bring him in with a bit of whatever your thoughts on Youngs, at least he can manage and keep him calm and keep him focused in the game. I think the biggest sign of where Eddie is... Actually, no, bring him in with Danny Kerr. Well, it, well anyone just did. his experience and they get on better. Yeah, quite, Jim. But the point I'm making is you, like Ed said, manage it. I think the problem with Eddie is, you know, you I, you see all the arguments. Yes, he's the England manager. Arguably, he his selection, in his opinion, is the only one that matters. But someone made a point on Twitter. I cannot remember quite the disconnect I've seen with so many fans who say, I don't like this selection. I'd pick this person, yeah, this, yeah, person this person. It shows something's not right. It doesn't matter who you're championing. I don't think anyone would agree that that is the best, they're their best players in England would put in. I think, I think Eddie Jones has, has this cycle, um, and he does it with a lot of teams where he needs to jump on it. And disappeared. He 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 has a cycle where he starts to believe his own hype. That's my. I mean, it's my opinion. I just think. Yeah. I think he he he. It happened with Australia after that World Cup. There was an interview that he did with Delalio, and interestingly, a few years ago, which they brought up on BT Sport over the weekend, and it it referenced the fact that you know if he was there for like five six years, he said, oh, "Oh, that's too long. You should only spend four years at a time at one thing." Well, he's just signed a new contract. He's going to be there for basically seven, eight years at the end of it. He's gone all Jose Mourinho, hasn't he? Part of the bus. Like, well, I don't even... I don't, well, 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 he's gone all Jose you know, Mourinho and he keeps saying mental things. Yeah, exactly. And then <laughs> start saying weird <laughs> yeah. stuff. It's the the best thing I saw about him was over the weekend was <laughs> on Sunday, I think he got likened to Donald Trump's ego. It was a Donald Trump ego trip. Is what well, someone yeah, referred to. Just weird, it's just <laughs> odd. I, I, I find it really odd. And, you know, again, I think we're, look, we're all disappointed because we're all English. We're all English fans. We're in, and we'll... We'll come on to something in a second. Um, and what we want to see is them playing attractive rugby. And I think if England play attractive rugby and play with the best players we've got or best players available that fit a system, England will win most games. You know, realistically, you took the they're the top, they're going to be a top four 
side in the world. Yeah, you, you could you're going to occasionally lose to the Welsh. You're going to occasionally lose to the Irish. Very rarely you lose to the Scots, and you're going to lose to the French sometimes. And then you'll probably beat the Australians nine times out of ten. The South Africans you'll probably struggle against every so often, and the Kiwis, you know, it's New Zealand, isn't it? But my point is, is that you, you're going to win more, a lot more games if you play actually not decent rugby with the right players. Um, talking about England, though, as we said, uh, we mentioned last week um, a li- just a little bit. I mean, I don't think it took up too much of the pod, um, which was um, how we were trying to get tickets to the Rugby World Cup. Oh, is that there was a Rugby week. World Cup on? When's that? Apparently, yeah, in a couple of years' time, Jim. And um, and uh, anyway, that was the last Monday, and we 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 bemoaned and cursed the atrociously awful ticketing system. Well, last Thursday, we got another go. And to sum it up, <laughs> it was just as shite as it was on the Monday. Um, the, the, the only thing that did happen was by absolute sheer fluke. Um, and I'm, I think almost bored persistence on my part. Bearing in mind, Loz had been chucked out. Jim had been chucked out twice. Snowy had been three, chucked three, out. Three or four times. Three times, yeah. Um, I'd been chucked out. I, uh, I, I'm, I just stayed on with the sort of gl- grim hope that we might be able to find all the tickets have been sold, only to find that we are four of us, uh, uh, Loz, Jim, Snowy and I, and Russ will come at a later date when um, we, we manage to hijack a kidnap him and take him. Um, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll be going to France in 2023 to watch three games in Lille. So uh, the Cherry Jam boys will be on tour. Allez. Anyway, I've got a, I've got a large van, um, so your company logo could be emblazoned across it. Should you uh, <laughs> wish to approach us for a cherry jam tour? Yeah, especially, especially if you supply alcohol and would like to stop the back of said van with with said alcohol. Yeah, uh, yeah, it, I, I'd be happy with that because it means we don't have to take any bloody bikes. Um, anyway, the uh... <laughs> I've, done, I've done Lille and I've been cycled to Roubaix. I've done all that. Checked all those boxes. Don't need to do it again. Let's hit the bars. <laughs> Good. Right. Um, now we, we uh, asked last week, and I mentioned uh, on Twitter this afternoon uh, if you guys had anybody, any, you guys who listen, have got any, any suggestions on what we could talk about. And this is the last one. Well, something came in today from Matt Locke um, on our uh, Jam underscore Rugby Twitter account. He said, "King's Home is no longer a fortress. What needs to happen to change this?" Um, uh, evident, it's evident that winning home games is crucial for sustained success. Um, I, I think probably the first thing that needs to happen is supporters need to come back into the stadium. That's the, probably the biggest and most important part of that. But even if we account for that, we haven't really been very good at home for a while, actually, have we? No, we, we've, we've traditionally had an excellent home record and a really poor away one, haven't we? Hmm. Probably... Um, if you could do some sort of calculation and work out how good the, the, the squad actually are, being at home is probably far more important for Gloucester than maybe any other team. I'd say, be- yeah, I think I think us and probably, you could argue um, probably Leicester, I think, in terms of their support and what it can do in terms of uh, maybe, yeah. maybe uh, adjusting a referee's uh, view on a decision. Yeah. Maybe. Northampton maybe as well. Mm. I think it's also getting the fans in is one thing. Getting the fans behind the team is the next thing as well. Yes. You know, you you can't, it's not just enough to assume the fans are in the stadium and they'll get behind you. And I always find that quite a tired trope that you should support the team no matter what. And it, it ties back into Ed's point earlier. You know, there's a thought like, 
if Skivington doesn't give a shit about this game, why should we as fans care about it? So that's always a difficult thing. So what you need is those moments in a game where it just turns the fans on on your side, doesn't it? And it's it's a big hit or it's a great yeah. phase of play or something like that. Or that's so five th- minutes of consistent defence on your line yeah, to eventually and, and- get the turnover and escape. And the trouble is with all of this is I think it's going to be ruined when they start box kicking it because when we have Laurie Fishman <laughs> box kicking the thing away, the crowd were getting on the players' back. And it doesn't matter what you do, you can do this wonderful smash, you can do this wonderful defence. They're going to go two phases and box kick it again, no, and, that's what, and it's going to be kick, 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 and the crowd are going to get on that, your back. That's what, even, that's what even I mean. If it's the best I... box kick in the world, and we have a fantastic chase, and actually over the course of the game we win two thirds of those box kicks and get. The ball back. So actually, it's a fantastic tool in our repertoire. But the fans see, oh, he's lined up to box kick. Boo! I'm trying to work out who's taking Jim. No, I've, I've thought you, are you drunk, Jim? Because that's <laughs> you know, I've been in WhatsApp chats with you, and you moan about the box kick as much as the rest of us. So unless you've just thrown a hand grenade into the room. <laughs> I know you don't believe what you're saying. <laughs> and that, that's the problem. Like, now, if they put a good love uh, box kick in and Ludlow puts the guy into next week, yes, it lifts the crowd. But that's one box kick in like 10. If Ollie Forley runs the length of the pitch, smashes three or four players out of the way, or Jamal Ford Robinson puts a shove on the scrum, that gets the fans on side. But the individual brilliance can only do that now and again. I, you know, we all come from a top. The, the biggest cheer I have genuinely have ever heard at King's Home was when Rodrigo Juan Zero intercepted a try and ran it in from halfway. <laughs> the fans no. love those. It, it, I'm being a bit glib, but it, do you know what I mean? They yeah, love those big good, moments of shove on a big drop. You need a dominant pack that shoves the team around. That Hopefully starts getting side. the fans going. It is, like Law said, you need a better game plan that the fans push will it, buy Pushing the mower from five metres out in the scrum gets a big, gets a crowd going. Yeah. A, a, a roll, yeah. Setting up a rolling ball just outside the 22 and getting it going so well you end up scoring from it. That gets a crowd going. Yeah. But the biggest cheer, I'm sorry, but the biggest cheer I heard was Ackerman's first game against Exeter when Woodward went Yeah, I the mean, corner. there are moments. Um, but that, I, I, I don't think you need to play a certain style of rugby to try to get the game on to try and get the crowd on board you just need to play the best style of rugby to try yeah. and win the game and, and yeah, exactly. they will ha- it will happen naturally yeah. but I kind of think to, to get back to the question um, I think that sort of home advantage that us and Leicester and teams like that have enjoyed in the past we're not going to see that much of that in the future and if you look at the stats over the years the the amount of those sort of home advantages have come down and the balance has started to shift and I think that's just simply because players now are much more disposable and move between teams a lot quicker um you get way more players that have played for four five six different premiership teams during their career and you you don't quite have that same this is our home crowd all the players really gather around that idea and I think I think those moments that you mentioned like where the crowd really get behind you and you, you can feel the players pick up or, or it can influence a refereeing decision I think they're really important but and and they will still have an effect but I don't think we're going to get back to those years where we win all our home games and lose all our away games <laughs> no you, you, mentioned, you mentioned that you mentioned that Snowy I think 
the, the, the biggest reason is because actually the, the crowd don't change the referee's mind. I think the referees have got to that level that they yeah, might they might TMO. start thinking they might start thinking about asking the TMO. You might encourage the TMO to be in the ear of the referee. Potentially, you might encourage the TMO to yeah. look at something that they missed, I, I, and I then think, and then that TMO reports that to the referee. I think but one. I think, I think one thing you probably of refs now is is so hard. I, I agree with that. I think there's probably one area that you would see some crowds changing decisions or changing incidents would be the forward pass. Yeah. In the okay. in that when you get it's a big when when the entire shed or the ground goes forward, generally someone will, even if even if it's a, even if it's a bit flat, they'll go. Mm, you know what? I'll probably give it just to be safe. And you, you also might. I must admit, I've noticed that defenses are not. They're not up quick. They're offside a lot. Offside. You, yeah. Haven't yeah. Got, yeah. you haven't got the crowd going offside all the time in there. Yeah. And, and the I referees are. They're, they're so desperate to get the game flowing all the time. They're almost actually ignoring that. That that slight half a yard they're offside, and then you're finding that the offsides are given every net by the TMO a lot now. And so turn around and touch judge. Yeah. I think well, so. and the touch judge as well. Yeah, I think headshots would be really interesting because I think yeah. the, the the crowd would very quickly get onto anything that's at all high would be calling absolutely everything. Yeah, yeah. I, you're gonna you're I, gonna get yellow cards and red cards aplenty. Just quickly, yeah. one thing, Russ. And we'll, we'll we will come back to this because we, we're running out of time on this bit of the pod, but we're going to come back to it um, briefly before we finish, um, which is related to the to the um, the home crowd and stuff. I think also over the years, um, and probably just, we will touch on this for the next for about five minutes. Um, the crowd itself has changed in that it's it's a far more you know, middle the, class. The, uh, no, it's not even class. I think it, it look. It comes down to the cost of going to the watch the rugby. You know, gone are the days where you could go and watch the rugby, and it wasn't going to cost an arm and a leg. It was relatively point, cheap yeah, to go and watch it. Pie. Well, you know, really it, cheap because um, you just wait for someone's season ticket book to fly over the wall. Well, exactly. You and, you and grab just that, a changing, in, chuck it back over for the next person. A changing demographic as well, just yeah. ge- just just generally. So you know, younger people now are more mobile. They're more like, it, 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 there isn't that big crowd of people that just lived Gloucester, didn't know much outside of the borders of Gloucester. Rugby was everything. People are a lot more spread around now. You've got a lot more rugby fans that support Gloucester that aren't from Gloucester at all. They've just yeah. picked Gloucester as they a side Gloucester to support as, side, as, yeah. as rugby's yeah. become more we'll, popular. We'll, we'll just briefly pause and we'll come back and just finish this off because I think it's important. Just as a, it's a good, It was a really good question and I just want to finish off on a few things on that one. Right. Uh, yes, no, you say that um, you know people are more mobile now. But they might be able to be more mobile. Well, actually, I think a lot of them choose not to be. Uh, like my teenage son is more than happy to spend his entire life on the PS5 uh, and just talking to people through a headset. And to try and get him to go to King's Home for a social event as much as watch the rugby, he's not interested. And I think there's a lot of people that get get their get, get their kicks, be it gaming be it watching netflix just staying at home and actually mm. lockdown for those people has been you know a bit of a bit of a they just they go oh brilliant oh, no. now, now i've got i've got well no but now i've got another one or two uh delivery service you know 
partners that can bring me food and whatever. So there's, I think, yes, a lot of people are getting more opportunities to go further afield and do stuff. But actually, the people that live in Gloucester, maybe they're thinking, actually, do what? Well, and you, you mentioned the price, Ted. I mean, it's expensive, God, it's, mate. It's an expensive. It's, it's an expensive yeah. hobby. It's, you know, if watching, watching Gloucester lose yeah. every week is an expensive. No hobby. That's the key. That's, yeah, the, that's the big. That's the big thing. Like the A games, which obviously haven't happened this season. The A games is kind of the way that you get that that teen market. You know, it's quite popular because you've got a lot of the um, a lot of the academy lads are playing, so they get a lot of their their sort of school friends, college friends come down. So you get a, a lot of that. Uh, sort of 16 to 19 demographic coming down to the games because it's two quid a game. Well, actually, if it's five quid, that's kind of a bit, well, actually, I don't want to do that. So I think the price, you've got to price it such, especially for the A games, make it so that just everyone just comes in and enjoys the... enjoys. You've, the got, you've got to win as well. And yeah, <laughs> I'm not being funny. Ed's point is the right one, isn't it? I mean, I, yeah. I was going. I I held right to last minute on my season ticket in the end, but I, was, but I did. I was not renewing it until I found out there was good, whether there was going to be relegation or not. Because if there was re- going to be relegation, I wasn't going to renew until we were safe. Because I wasn't paying six hundred pound to watch us play in the championship. Because there was no caveat that if we get relegated, you get some money back because they ain't worth the money of that. They were still going to it charge us not the worth same the money. Price. There's more teams. There's more teams in the championship. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, win some games. I was going to say, you'd hope to think we win, win more games. <laughs> I, 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 point, I, I haven't, I haven't no, I know, you're right, right to watch yeah. them play fucking Ampel or whatever. Yeah. So, you, you, Ed's point and Loz's point is right as well. As someone who's not a season ticket holder who can't go in every week, it's in the back of my mind, especially if I'm making a last-minute decision to go. You know, it, it, it shouldn't be there, but it's there. It's like, can I watch the game on telly? Yes. yes, I've already paid for the subscription. Or can I pay 30 quid on the day to walk in and potentially see them lose? Now, when they're playing well and you want to pay 30 quid because you want to be there to be part of that experience of when they won a game, that, that sways it. For me, the other point is, and I think Snowy made this, is that mentality of it being a fortress at home is great. And we, yeah, we need to win. Our, we need to be winning home games. What Gloucester have never done well, bar a couple of seasons, is win away, and that would be more what we've got to work on long term. And that's that's the thing because I, I kind of get what Snow is saying. If if winning at home or away doesn't matter, it still seems to bloody matter to us because we just don't do well away ever and that feels like that's the thing we've got to do away with to start improving consistently is win away yeah. from home more often we'll go to we joke about somewhere like harlequins and oh we never do well there it's a sort of game where with respect to quins that should be a fixture you think well we could win that you know yeah, maybe not season, away we should be targeting. yeah but yeah. we can and that's that feels more to me that's what we need to overcome I think more. I think more than worrying about whether we're winning home or away, we need a sheer bloody mindedness not to lose full stop. Mm-hmm. You look at the way Bristol are going at the moment. They, they, they played last season against Saracens. They, they dogged out a game that they they, they conceded late on, and they didn't yeah. give up, and they knew they could still come back and win. Well, I don't see that from us anymore, and that's the thing. When we've been doing really well, yeah, okay, we haven't necessarily won away, 
But we've always managed to have that sheer bloody mindedness that if we're in the game, we're going to win the game. We just don't seem to have that anymore. And I think yeah. we need to get that that determine the, the way you win trophies is to is to have that Exeter belief and determination well, and bloody yeah. mindedness. Well, how many games that you're going to win the game? It just takes a couple of players, a couple of players that that properly never give up, and I think they will drag a couple like the rest of the team with them. Because all it, it, you know, one head goes down, it's very easy for another head to drop and another and another. Whereas if you've got someone, and I'm thinking like Geordie Reed, you know, he's just full of energy, right? And Ludlow as well, just tackling, tackling, tackling. I think you've got a couple of players that if they're just, come on, boys, we, we've still got opportunities here. If they're really energising the squad, as fatigue's kicking in, it's those couple of players that maybe have got a little bit more um, you know, verbal to their game. They can just uplift the rest of the squad and actually keep keep playing for the full 80, get, yeah. get the victories that I, are otherwise escaping. I think to build on what Loz was saying as well, and, and I take your point as well, Jim, it doesn't even have to be someone who's going to make a big thrust and score, a, a, you know, put you in a position like that. If you have got a goal kicker and you're there or thereabouts in the end of the game, that makes a massive difference as well. Because it's one thing to have to go out the field and score a try. It's another way you're saying to, you've got someone like when we used to have Ludo, and it's like, lads, all you've got to do is put them under the pressure. If they make a mistake and give me a penalty within anywhere in their half, I can win you the game. That's massive, isn't it? It's a big difference in approach, isn't it? To try and and find a way to score. Not so much for the Gloucester team. But it's yes. a massive thing for the opposition because they are petrified because they know it's not a 50-50, it's a 95-5. If they give away a penalty anywhere inside their half, Ludo will almost certainly be I always remember like his first penalty ever kicked. And I think it was it was on our 10-meter line. And I remember the noise in the shed. And it wasn't a positive one, it was literally everyone going. The fuck? What, what the hell's going on here? It's just a lose in a preseason friendly. It, yeah, and I remember it because Mannix was stood around warming up on the other sidelines, and Ludo nailed it, and you could just hear it was a game. It was one of those moments where, like, oh my god! And someone, Simon, it, you're not kicking anymore. Yeah. Well, no, someone, <laughs> someone, no, it was literally like that. Someone literally shouted, shouted out, "Sit down, Mannix. That's your career done, son." It was literally like that, so, but it. it it was without killing Mannix's career. That you know, it was one of those ones, isn't it? If you kick a penalty early in the game like that, like you said, it straight away says to the other side, "You give us anything, we'll take it." Thank yeah. you. Um, the, the the one thing I, was, I just we're going to end. I want to end it on this little point here, which is we talk about making King's Home into a fortress. Um, so you've got to try and make it intimidating for opposition players. To, to enter, Barbed I wire. think, yeah, I, and it's and and that's it's, it's difficult. Wire. <laughs> wire, yeah, flares, um, like you know, make it into an Eastern European football ground, basically. But the at the end of the day, if you're a supporter paying a lot of money to come and watch rugby every week, it has to be a pleasant experience for you. Now, regardless of the intimidating atmosphere mm. for the team or for the players, no, I, I disagree. I no, we see this is the thing though, Jim. That that that. You know, we're talking about minority. <laughs> you are going to be in the minority here, but actually having working toilets within easy reach, being Not able bothered. to go and get a being able to go and get a pint at any point without having to queue, um, getting food, 
you know, decent food, uh, having the opportunity to, if you want to sit down, getting a, a seat where you're not obstructed by a pillar. That is it. That's all a vicious circle because the, the easier it is to go get a drink, the more you have to go for a wee and the more you have to, before you know, <laughs> well, you smith up again. No, no, no. So what, the, man my, with the old man bladder. Yeah, I'm not. My, my, my point here I'm is that, eight, I'm good for eight pints of Guinness. I don't yeah. need toilets. My, 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 my point here is really um, if you want to make Gloucester an intimidating atmosphere, there's not really a lot you can do because the, it's changed. The whole atmosphere, the way that we watch rugby has changed. The way we, we, we enjoy sport has changed. The demographics we've mentioned are a lot older as well. That's the thing. The average age of a Gloucester season ticket holder, I think, is nearly 50 um, or it's a late 40s. Um, you know, it's an expensive hobby to, to. I bet that's a lot younger than it used to be. Uh, probably is a little bit younger than it was. Yeah, I think it was but 52, I, well, I 53, think, not that long ago. But, but I think I think the people that buy match day tickets, though, you, you, you're not getting the 20 so something. No, but the. But the what, I, I get what Ed's saying. Two or three games a season. Yeah. Let, yeah, let so, me give you an example of what Ed's saying. So my wife, Em, quite enjoys going to watch Gloucester. But I remember the first few times I went and we went and stood in the shed and she's like, so we were turning up. Why are we turning up an hour and a half early? Because uh, because we need to get a spot that's good to watch the game. OK, so what are we going to do? Uh, we could have a couple of beers. Okay. You drink uh, and chat. Yeah, you drink and chat. But that's fine for people like us. But for someone like Em, who, you know, she has a heart condition, it, the cold doesn't appear to her. She is what Ed said. She's a casual fan. Well, for the majority yeah. of people, that's mental, isn't it? I can it's say it's all of you, off, you and you're all thinking, well, one. what's wrong with her? But most people are going to think, well, what's wrong with you, Russ, doing that to your wife? <laughs> yeah, if I stay to Em, I'm going to buy us two tickets to go and sit, and I will buy you a coffee or hot chocolate. That costs me a lot more. But Em will go, yeah, all right, I'll come along. So it's I get what Ed's saying. I, I used to get nervous. Don't come in the shed. Happy days. But yeah, but you, I used to get nervous if my that. bus was running a bit late in I'm case joking. in case I wouldn't quite get to the gate for twelve o'clock when it actually opened. So I could go and sit in a place with five meters of space around me and wait for three hours before the game started. I queued to buy bath away tickets. We, me and my mate finished. We got the tickets at 11 o'clock. It was in, there were people queuing to go into the game that kicked off at three o'clock. The gates didn't open. They were queuing and people looking at us like, where are you going? Well, we're going in a pub. But the funny thing is when you get in at that time, they then used to run to go, into that first bit of the shed where you have to show your ticket and run to their space. But it was the same 30 people that did it every week. So they all went to the exact same space every I know. week. Yeah. It's, it is. <laughs> you, you, think, you think they could have a look at each other and go, right, you're going to your spot, I'm going to my spot. Do, nobody wants each other's spots. Do they? We're all happy with what we've got. Right, okay. Let's just stroll over. In fact, next week, can we all turn up half an hour later and do the same thing? But they you don't take trust each other, point. that's the thing. You never you know that one day. Point. There's only a certain amount of people who do that, and they are the people who would make the, the old majority, fortress mentality. Yeah. The club have got to appeal to those casual fans because they need the numbers through to make the money. Yeah, you're better to have 13,000 in the ground now, with and half of those uh, fans that only turn up to one or two games a season as a, as a one-off occasion, and the atmosphere is not so good, but you can charge a lot more, whereas... The alternative is you can fill the crowd by massively reducing the, the ticket prices, um, but you just haven't got the revenue coming in. So they've had to change the type of fan they target to be able to get the revenue in at that ticket price point. 
the reason why is because we've been losing. So the, the, when when we're winning um, and we're playing well, the crowds that, are higher. That and brand the, and, of rugby sells and, tickets. Yeah, well, well, it, decent winning, brand of winning rugby, rugby winning sells rugby, tickets. But decent brand of rugby, winning rugby, you get decent crowds in. Yeah, Gloucester haven't look at, been look at Bristol. Yeah, Gloucester haven't been consistently good over a, really a decade, really, and therefore um, we're not getting we, the crowds in. Support. We're doing support, so therefore you've got to you've got to try and get the casual fans in. Well, that's fine, but if you if you're playing crap rugby, they're not going to come back. Um, yeah, but, but the you, other thing you, is, those, it's play, like, those it, casual it, fans need to get some value. If it's not on the pitch, yeah. they want to have a decent seat. They want to have a decent toilet stop. They want easy access to quality food and drinks. And actually, and this is what Lance has said in the past, isn't it? That they want, they they need. Your, your supporters spending more while they're at the game. And that's not so much on the ticket price, that's buying more food and buying more drinks. So if you make that whole experience easier, then they're going to do that. You always are inventing the model here, are they? In the middle of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. We, we, know it's, we know it's hard. We know it's hard for Gloucester because it's surrounded by pubs and restaurants. But if, if, you've, got, if you've got those people in the ground... You know, I'm I'm guilty of it. I'm one of those people that comes into a to well, a. Well, and I are. We do it. We, we come in that we... three three and a half hour window because I do turn up um, usually um, a good hour before kickoff. I might have a pint, maybe mm. two. Whereas if I was watching it over the road in Teagues, I'd have six. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I'd the other thing like that's the with that's also the drawback with having the stand though and having the shed is. You're all crammed in there, and you can't have to, you can't spend the money because one, you can't get it to get a drink, and two, if you do, then you have a few too many. You then got the hassle of trying to get to the toilet because it isn't the easiest thing to do in the world to get to the toilet. You, you, you've got six thousand people on a full stadium in there where you just can't get to the services that you need, and that's, that's until they yeah. until they so make what, those more accessible. Yeah. So what Laws is suggesting, what Laws is suggesting, and we're going to end knock down the, the on shed. this bombshell is knock down the shed and build a, build a proper yeah. stand. Yeah. And uh, so I'm looking forward to our, our listenership plummeting. Next well, no, week. I, I, I really look forward to the four of us dealing with this next week. I know, oh, true. <laughs> I mean, it's not it's not what it used to be, is it? Because you can actually get to the toilet now. It used to be you never had any choice, even if you wanted to. <laughs> 